Hello, and welcome to the show where we cast our favourite books into film. I'm Flo. I'm Rachel. And I'm Roxanne. And this is Typecast, brought to you by Rare Birds Book Club. This week, we're casting The Silent Companions by Laura Purcell. Spooky times. Boo. Ahead. Oh. Oh. This is one of the few books, like, it's it, it's in a very small bracket of books that is genuinely quite scary. Yeah. Like, it actually scares you. You're not just like, it's mm. creepy. Like, it's like you're, you actually feel fright at times. Is this, and is this the first spooky book that we've done? Yeah. Yes. Well, I, I feel like it is. Yes. So it's sort of new territory for the typecast gang. And we're going to be really mature about it. Well, yeah. <laughs> one of the things that was was great actually is that um, Vampires assigned this at Christmas, and I really feel like it's a great oh, Christmas perfect. read. As as per perfect. rare birds tradition, we like to do a spooky book at in December because <laughs> most people have quite a bit of time off. You're sitting by the fire reading; it's very dark. It's perfect conditions for something spooky. Yeah. So, a little bit of background before I do the summary. Laura Pestel is a British writer of historical fiction. She pivoted to historical horror in 2017 with The Silent Companions and has since published a couple more, The Corset, Bone China. She has another one on the way called The Shape of Darkness. Um, we are going to try and not spoil this book. We're going to stay away from the kind of major twists and turns. But I think, you know, if you want to go into this you know, not knowing anything, you maybe maybe go away and read the book now and come back to us. You should. It'll only take you a day. One terrifying, <laughs> bone bone One terrifying day. afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> and then ten sleepless nights. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. So let me let me tell you what this book is about. Elsie Bainbridge is a murderess. Or at least that's what everybody thinks. Locked up in St. Joseph's Hospital, the traumatised Elsie is visited by a new doctor keen to help her recover. With a little prompting, Elsie delves into her past and recalls the events of recent years. Ooh. In 1865, the pregnant, recently widowed Elsie travels to her new home, the Bridge, a 17th century mansion built by the ancestors of her late husband, Rupert. Upon arrival, Elsie discovers that the house is not only in disrepair, but haunted by a series of tragic accidents – causing the superstitious locals to keep their distance. Matters are made worse when Elsie and her companion, Rupert's penniless cousin Sarah, explore the house and discover a strange wooden cutout of a young girl, as well as the 200-year-old diaries of the bridge's original mistress, Anne Bainbridge. Ooh. In 1635, the bridge prepares for a visit from the King and Queen of England by opening its doors to a set of silent companions, wooden cutouts of men, women and children cleverly painted to appear lifelike. Anne frets over the upcoming festivities as well as the fate of her youngest child, a mute nine-year-old girl named Hetta, who is brought into the world using witchcraft and is beginning to display unusual behaviour. In 1865, the unveiling of that first silent companion awakens a dormant, centuries-old evil and sets in motion a series of terrifying events that will ultimately lead Elsie to the asylum. That was a very hard book to summarise. There is a lot going on in this there's, book. For quite a, a short, it's only about 300 pages, but there's so yeah. much going on in it. I mean, we've always said it was scary, love but what, what, what do we what do we think about I it? I love this book. Yeah, <laughs> I love this book. This is, I honestly, this we did this 
two years ago, two Christmases ago, we read this mm-hmm. in the book club and it remains probably easily in my top five all-time faves. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's one of my favorite uh, Rare Birds picks. I just, I, I just, I, just because I'm not really one to pick up like a, a, a spooky book or a horror, like, like it's gripping, you read it really quickly, it's a real page turner and it just gets progressively more scary. Yeah. And even though you want to put it down because you're so freaked out, you've yeah. also got to find out what happens. So it's that perfect mix between yeah. being a page turner and It's so pacey horror. and it's, it like we said, it is genuinely scary. Like I think for the most part, the book handles the little reveals and the little sort of scary elements really, really well because they're not, they just hang in that kind of perfect territory Whether you're where you're like, is this supernatural or is this not? Is this something else? Mm-hmm. It really makes you sort of question what's going on um, yeah. all the way throughout, which also helps it feel really, really scary. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's always like dangling this idea that the heroine Elsie, like, are these things happening to her or is she crazy? And I think that really digs deep into a sort of real fear women have (laughs) that I think go like translates across cultures of, of not being believed, not being taken seriously, being thought of as crazy you know, and yes, I mean, obviously, like when this book is said in the 18th century, you can be like locked away in an asylum for being hysterical, which was a sort of medical condition. But even now it's like, you know, you can say something and just not be taken seriously in a boardroom or if something happens to you. So it's just, it's just, it just really gets you. <laughs> like you just, you just desperately want to believe in Elsie and you want her to be believed. Yeah, yeah. like beyond the kind of surface ghost story it sort of is tapping into an essential fear that lots of women have you know mm-hmm. that's, that's and good, kind of good point all the conditions are there because you've got the sort of hysterical woman storyline mm. running through and you've also got the superstitious locals which again add a real element to is this just people being old-fashioned and superstitious are they superstitious for a reason and they're not, you know what I mean? It's like, there's just so many question marks that make this. And I think it's like the atmosphere and the house, everything about it is really creepy and really spooky. Yeah. The scene is just so, so well set in this book. And she really holds her cards pretty close to her chest for like, I'd say about three quarters of the book before you sort of, I mean, maybe even longer. You really don't know which side you're going to fall on. You know, is this real? Is Elsie sane, or is this sort of made has, up? And yeah, has Elsie has Elsie mm-hmm. lost it, or is this something else? And it can really go either way for 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 really long duration of the book, and so she sort of comes down on on a side. And I'm I'm sort of like I'm glad she does. I I think Laura Purcell does come down on a side, but she leaves it just open enough where you could still interpret it the way you want. I think. Yeah. This is quite a unique ghost story book because it has a lot of the tropes of the kind of haunted house, but the sort of central conceit of these silent companions, these sort of wooden cutout boards. Yeah, you talk about the silent companions. Oh, they're so creepy. Them being the kind of ghosts in the haunted house is such an original idea Mm -hmm. and such a weird, creepy visual idea as well. 
And I just wondered what you guys what you guys think of those. Again, I think like the idea that the silent companions are the ghosts is just so, so well done. And what makes it work so well is that th- there's a physical presence to them, yeah. which it, which is very easy to sort of brush off and be like, no, it was always there in the hall. Like it's like, she's like I, I swear that wasn't there. Before. You um, know what I mean? It really makes you question your sanity because no one is, you, no one's arguing with you that they're real. They're there. They're physically there. Mm-hmm. It's like whether or not they're supernatural is open to debate, but it's like that makes it really well done and really spooky because it's like she is actually seeing them she's not questioning whether or not she's seeing them it's questioning whether or not they're you know actually ghosts yeah so describe what the silent companions are because because i have some real (laughs) thoughts about them but describe what they are because they're like if you don't know that they're real they're real things they are real things and reading it you might be like this is an insane invention how did she come up with this but they're real so according to the National Trust website, dummy boards, also sometimes called silent companions, are life-size flat wooden figures that formed part of the 17th century room decoration. Painted and cut to resemble soldiers, children, servants and animals, they can be found standing, some might say lurking, in the interiors of many of our places. So it's this sort of weird dec- decorative ornament that originated in the Netherlands in the early 17th century. And we don't really know why they were made, like... They're like yeah. they're like cardboard cutouts, yeah. and they were sort of they were sort of really in vogue for a little while with yeah. like wealthy families in what kind of wealthy households. And you've you might have come across even without realizing if you've ever visited like an an old sort of stately country home. I've seen them once or twice and in museums. Yeah, and stuff. I saw one in a museum after I read this book, and I was like, Oh, oh shit. my god, yeah, <laughs> ah. that's real. Yeah, they. I, I really feel like she purposely wrote this book to terrify me in particular because, <laughs> like, I there's the, in our local Waterstones, there's a cardboard cutout of Eddie Redmayne as Newt's commander, <laughs> and it <laughs> fucking it scares me Roxanne's every dream. single time. <laughs> I like turn around and I'm like, Ugh! like, what is he doing there? Um, it's you know, it reminded me a bit. I don't know if uh, you saw it, but there's, I don't watch Doctor Who, but there's this there's this episode I once saw on TV and it was called The Weeping Angels. Oh, yeah, that's like the most famous episode. Oh, my Who, God. Yeah. That's kind of what – the thing that freaked me out, there's a section where, um, where like Sarah and Elsie have to keep their eyes on the companions in order for them almost like not to move or chase them. And they're trying to like back out of a room while watching these things. And then if they take eyes off them, that they're like kind of behind them. (gasps) Yeah. That freaked me out so much. It's so scary. It's very, very scary and very weird. And it's, it's not a huge spoiler, but you know, they, they just appear. Yeah. You know, there's one to begin with, and then suddenly there's more. There's loads. Yeah, they just keep they just keep appearing yeah. and like looking. It like becomes like a, know. a silent companion rave at one point. <laughs> <laughs> silent disco. Yeah, <laughs> and they're all like grotesque as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're like cr- scary looking, and then people will Very have there'll be accidents, yeah. and then there'll be a silent companion just there. There. <laughs> yeah, like I didn't do anything. I was just standing here. Just standing here with my wooden dummy board. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, it's genuinely like it's a really terrifying t- device. And as you say, there is a physical 
remnants. So it's not like, oh, I, I, I saw something and now it's not here. It's like, no, that thing moved. And they're like, yeah, well, I no, swear that moved. I swear it, that looked at me. Yeah, yeah, it's just like a painting. Like you're just being crazy. And then there's like parts where other members of the household think that someone's playing tricks on them because they just keep appearing. And there's like a real like like degradation of trust yeah. with the members of the household, which is also just really scary. And also, I mean, the other thing that's really clever about this book is that you never rule that in or out. Like that is what it could be yeah. all along. You know what I mean? It's like, we're never really clear on, she's never, Elsie's never clear and we're as readers never really truly clear about yeah. whether this is someone in the household trying to, spook her yeah or whether this what she thinks is happening is actually happening yeah Yeah. it's it's why it makes it so atmospheric and why you're sort of trapped in the horror a bit because you can imagine yourself again just not being taken seriously what is more scary than something really awful happening Mm -hmm. to you and not being taken seriously (laughs) it's just awful in the book there's like a few different storylines and something I also thought that was really well done is the fact that so they find Anne's diary and start reading the diary. So this is the 16th century so there's a bit the of a framing mistress. device yeah. in here where where there's um, a character like living her life in the 16th century 200 years before Elsie and and the diary yeah. is, and, is and part of that. in the diary what Anne's writing about and going through is she she kind of goes on this journey Elsie is getting more and more paranoid and more and more terrified which is happening in tandem with Anne's life sort of falling apart in the diary and just kind of it becomes really quite claustrophobic yeah it's like the sort of nooses tightening yeah as you go on I mean I mean I think the silent companions in general as an idea is really original and scary and weird I think where this book has trouble is that there's a lot of other ideas that she wants to explore yeah. and a lot of other motifs yeah. and horror tropes that she wants to kind of throw at it. And it, in places, it doesn't all come together. Because if you take away the Silent Companions, it's still kind of a haunted house story, but just mm. much more conventional. And I kind of wish she'd just stuck to her guns and just really focused on the Silent Companions yeah. more. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I think the thing about the Silent Companions is it's actually a relatively short book and there's she's packing a lot of story into that yeah. oh yeah you yeah. know what i mean so there's much. there's, there's multiple timelines yeah. like there's recent past present and then like long past you know it's like you have a decision to make as a reader where you you decide whether you believe what's ha- you to take what's happening at surface value and to take the ending at surface value or to lean into the sort of more supernatural where it's like a real supernatural force. And also, you know, I, I guess too, we're forgetting that some, some of these things, I mean, certainly not the shop with Anne, which we won't, we won't go into, but, um, with the portrait, that could also be Elsie's frame of mind because, uh, that, that she, she delves a bit into Elsie's past, which has not been. Yeah. Elsie, that's the other thing is Elsie has quite a bit of trauma Mm. in her life. Um, which could also be playing into her yeah. state of mind. Yeah. And she's like a recently widowed, like her life has kind of fallen apart as she ends up at the house. She has all her own secrets that need to come up and sort of bubble up, you know, over the course of the book, which is very good for her character, but it it, it does complicate things. Oh, but yeah. I, do, I, I do think Elsie is a great character. She's, she's a great character. She's not that likeable. No. She's no. kind of a bitch. She's really horrible to Sarah. You she know. gets more likable as it goes on, I think, because she, she sort of realizes that she's been that there's that nice bit, and I think that's it's it's to um, Laura Purcell's credit because she starts off so unlikable, but you get on side quite quickly because there's bits where 
Elsie's like, oh, like Sarah will say something really sad about her life and she'll be like, oh, I've kind of been a dick <laughs> yeah. to oh, her. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, and we've all had that <laughs> thought where you're yeah. like, oh, I've been kind of mean to the very annoying person and then you find out they've got a sad history and you're like, oh, no, I'm just a bitch. Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, she's a good, she's a really good character. And I think in general there are some really good female characters in this book and it's very much female-led, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, which so is very good. satisfying. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It, it is because it's it's all the all the main characters, all the shakers and movers in this are women, and mm-hmm. uh, they're all very very different and clearly very different. And mm-hmm. I, I like that without giving anything away. Sarah's very annoying at the beginning, but she she just, just becomes so creepy, and I don't know Sarah's why. Very much a future Mrs. Danvers. <laughs> <laughs> She's just. This, I can see that. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. Just some of the stuff she does is just really weird. Even if you take away the sort of spooky element, you're just like, oh, she's a creep. I can see why Elsie was a yeah. bitch. At the and it's just, I, and again, with Sarah, the question is always, is she just like weird or is she sinister? Yeah. yeah. With well, yeah. the, well, the sort of complication of Sarah is that she's Rupert's cousin. So therefore, you know, with Elsie out of the picture, she would be inheriting everything so there's always that kind of seed of doubt with her you're kind of thinking are you yeah she stands to gain from yeah you stand to gain a lot if things go wrong for Elsie so that's that's interesting that's an interesting dynamic from the start yeah yeah for sure yeah I something I think I loved the most about the Silent Companions was how complex the sort of web of things is on both sides on just kind of again a surface level thing this dynamic between Elsie and Sarah where Sarah would inherit the house if Elsie was out of the picture mm-hmm. it also makes sense to be female-led like I don't know if I'd ever thought about this before but a haunted house deserves to be a female-led horror because it's like you know who was in charge of households and who's stuck centuries? at home yeah who's yeah. stuck yeah. at home more than women yeah and and then just like the housekeepers you know and the the maids and and just and women staying at home and and you know shifting together in the home yeah it just it totally makes sense that 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 and all the horrible things that would have happened in the home too you know just yeah. children lost to, to yeah. you know well, a lot of the great like kind of ghost stories are female and for that reason i mean turn of the screw yeah you know she's a governess uh the yellow wallpaper yeah. she's recovering from childbirth the woman in black the woman in black although the main guy yeah it's the main guy yeah but yeah, yeah, yeah but so, so <laughs> <laughs> very female friendly yeah. <laughs> Time for our casting call. Do you know what? This is maybe the first time where the music feels like way too chipper for the tone <laughs> of the book. <laughs> We've got some rules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> number one, no daddies. Rule number two, they do have to be actors. So they can't be the Chancellor of the Exchequer, for instance. <laughs> um, and rule number three is they have to be... You have to cast them as they are now and mm-hmm. not as they were. So we're going to cast We're gonna cast a little bit of Elsie. Mm-hmm. We're going to cast a little bit of Sarah and a little bit of Anne. Um, which the fact that we're casting Anne kind of implies that we, in a film version, that we would expect to see yeah. Anne on the screen and, and not I think, just referred to. Yeah. I think we would for sure. Yeah. You need she's, to see Anne because you need presence. to see Heta, yeah. right? Yeah. So. And it, we know this is the thing is like Anne makes more sense to cast because we know Anne. We don't really know Heta. Yeah. Yeah. 
And also, like, there's there's a big theme and of like motherhood in this in this book. So, and like you know, Anne sort of represents that. I think. Mm-hmm. So Elsie, her age isn't specified, is it? No, no. But what we do know is that she, her younger brother Jolian is thirteen years younger than her, mm-hmm. and he is a kind. He is a grown man. Yeah. So if he's if he's twenty five, she's in her she's thirty eight. You yeah. know, so late thirties, early forties, I would say. Yeah, it's like yeah. I would. Yeah, I would say he's a, he's probably approaching thirty. The other thing too is that when she discusses her marriage, her getting like her marriage is kind of a surprise to her. Like she wasn't really expecting yeah. it. Like yeah. she was not really expecting to be married, which sort of suggests there's kind of the suggestion she's a little bit older. She's on the shelf type thing. Yeah. So I think yeah, any anywhere between thirty five and forty five probably yeah, is the right area. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I didn't mind like and if again, I skewed a little older. Yeah. I was like, oh, all, that all still Hollywood women of that age <laughs> look twenty five anyway. So yeah. you know, yeah. yeah. Um, and we also she's not really described that much, but she's has blonde hair and brown eyes. Um, second character we're casting is Sarah. Um, so she is quite specifically described in the book. With this description, those mud brown bovine eyes that held no spark of intelligence, <laughs> the pinched cheekbones and the lanky hair that always dribbled out of her bonnet. She'd seen shop girls with more refinement. Ooh, shade. Pretty harsh. Yeah. yeah. I think, that, yeah, <laughs> I feel like the key factor for Sarah is she's so, everyone just thinks she's kind of stupid. Like mm-hmm. she, everyone, whether it's like that's warranted or or you, they underrate her intelligence, but it's like they see her as like slow, guileless. You know what I mean? Just yeah. no just polish. Sort of not not her. even worth thinking about. She yeah. just sort of merges into the background. She, you know, yeah, just not interest. Not an interesting person. Yeah, I didn't think she was late twenties. I thought she was basically the same age as Elsie. Oh really? Yeah, I, I mean, it's, her that again, way. not specified. So I just guessed. I I feel like she seemed younger than Elsie. I the reason I thought she was because I I because Elsie finds her so irritating and like her like girlish voice so irritating. It kind of like made me think she was older and sort of affecting this sort of girlishness a little bit through naivety. But I, I would, mean, yeah, I'd I would be fine. I wouldn't way. say that the age is particularly important. No, no it's, it's not. The, it's yeah. not vibe spirit presence etc <laughs> and then Anne Bainbridge uh, again age not specified but she has she has like th- is it two or three sort of grown sons mm. um yeah as well as a nine-year-old daughter so we would um she must be in her 40s yeah maybe her 50s a little bit older yeah for sure and again not really described she's called I mean, she is described as a plump blonde woman with tired eyes, pretty if a little jowly. Again, quite harsh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, I don't think it necessarily no, matters. I, I don't think because because her boys don't really figure much into the story. I think she, again, I mean, I in my mind, I kind of cast all the actresses around about the same age. Mm-hmm. So they're sort of mirroring yeah, one another. That's, so. that's I actually, I think a reason I sort of struggled with and a little bit is when I was casting her because when I was reading her I pictured her as much older which actually from the time you know there's an argument to be made that actually considering the time where she was writing the diary she was probably actually pretty young maybe even younger than Elsie because 
they would have been married and had children yeah really young and her life expectancy it's like realistically she's probably like 38 yeah but in my head i always wanted her to be like in her 50s oh no i definitely was like yeah 30s to 40s that's sort of what i where i skewed but that's that's it any any other bonus casting choices we want to we want to do no, no, just the three no. ladies. The three Bainbridge ladies. It's too jaunty. I know. It is, see? <laughs> it's in my head now. It's just, you can't, you listen to it, you just instantly feel better about life. Yeah, I know. It doesn't kind of convey the spooky gravitas of the situation. Right, you're going to kick us off with a bit of Elsie? I'll kick us off with Elsie. Cool. We'll start with Elsie. I have hundreds of choices. <laughs> Yeah. Any I working I British actress <laughs> yes. between the age of 25 and 55 is appropriate for this role. Oh, yeah, you want a much. sort of elegant, well-spoken, yeah. <laughs> uh, charismatic The name's actress? just rolled off the tongue. <laughs> Who could we possibly choose? Honestly, my first list was about 10 names. It was actually the hardest part was whittling it down to Ooh, who I'm will I say. Um, okay, so my top pick for this is Eva Green. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I I toyed with her briefly. Yeah. <laughs> I like her. I think she could do the whole asylum thing. She, you know, looks a little bit tortured. I could see her being quite spooked in the house. Um, I love her anyway. I actually also considered her for Anne. I wanted Anne to be a bit more witchy, but then I thought that's not really how Anne's described, so we'll put... Yeah, I don't, I don't mind that. For some reason, I think the only thing that sort of... I'm hesitant about is that Eva Green can give off a sort of like I don't know not, not sinister sinister is not the right word but sort of otherworldly energy which I think is great in terms of the the overall vibe but something about Elsie is like I feel like she kind of needs to be grounded in reality she's our touchstone you know I but I actually completely disagree with that if anything Elsie's not grounded in reality which is the problem but like I that, think she needs to present you know I mean? like that way in the beginning if that makes sense again I, I don't really agree with that at all <laughs> okay. like I think I think that's the thing about Elsie is she's always slightly like the locals don't trust her the how the staff in the house don't know her when she's in the asylum we're like right you're accused of this you've turned up here you haven't said a word what's going on uh, you, make a, you make a good case you make a good case okay so i mean she could definitely do it um my second choice was the wonderful ruth wilson oh yeah she's oh yeah yeah that's too easy yeah that's almost like that too wonderful but ruth wilson could absolutely do it yes yes i love i love that idea yeah and uh my third in the same vein of ruth wilson rebecca hall yeah i also love rebecca hall yeah you know there's something about elsie that's sort of understated and i i think that's what it is Mm. understated whereas i think eva green isn't understated yeah i would agree with that actually and i think the casting of her kind of telegraphs too much is sort of witchy and ethereal i think i think you are right about that actually i thought of emily blunt yeah she was she was uh one of my 10 yeah 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 that doesn't surprise me i i just she was on my long list i think i saw it like i think it was a mixture of seeing her on girl on the train which is sort of like a similar vibe in the sense that's like she's sort of witnessing something that's like dodgy and no one believes her Mm -hmm. um so and you know she's an amazing actress so she could definitely do it um so yeah and then 
and this is probably just because she's probably a mite too old for this, but um, Naomi Watts I thought would also be yeah kind of a good choice. Yeah, I could see that. Well, it's great. <laughs> that was very painless. I think I I mean I well we'll see how we land after Flo you say your Elsie things, but I do think that she's one of those characters that's hard to cast because it's like she could a lot of people could play yeah, her yeah i would agree with that even though she's a very it's not like she's a she's a a blank page of a character no but yeah i don't know she's maybe she's just very english I just, I, yeah so she's very english and also she's complex enough that if you just put a good actress in this role mm. they do a lot with her you yeah, know yeah I, mean? I agree i do think it's a character type that you see quite a lot yeah in film and tv mm-hmm. Uh-uh. Haunted woman. <laughs> Haunted and haughty, elegant woman. Yeah. So, yeah, I had Ruth Wilson. Mm-hmm. Had a little bit of Natalie Dormer on there as well. Oh, she's on something else for me. She's on something else for me. I have her on my list. I don't want to hear her else. name again today. Oh my God. Uh, you're going to hear her name because she's. <laughs> Is she the new Luke Evans? Is what's going on here? What are you crazy? I love Natalie Dormer. My top choice is Rock's, one of your faves, Indira Varma. Oh, I love Indira Varma. But yeah, I can I can totally see her in that role. Haughty. I, I keep saying the same words, but I think I, I think that's what we're looking for. Haughty, elegant, beautiful, a little bit of you know she can do bitchy energy. Oh, I love her. I mean, it's just, imagine her I love her sweet, so much. She's basically in my dossier. Sweeping around the house in a Victorian dress with her mm. little gloves on, thinking looking, she's like slightly above it. Yeah. Sneering at Sarah, yeah. getting going into a spooky garret. You can see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can see it. I can see it. But to be honest, and I, I don't want to blow people's minds, but I think my favorite is uh, Rebecca Hall so far. I, I tell you what it is. I the reason I think Rebecca Hall because she, I think she can do haughty energy. Um, I think she can present as sort of understated, but. I, I, there's something like like I think she could do that sort of really I'm scared I'm really Have terrified you, um, kind of seen the reason I thought of Rebecca I mean I just love Rebecca Hall full stop she's the best but have you seen <laughs> the film The Awakening yes that's what yeah, I was thinking of yeah. yeah that was kind of how I got onto her because I was like they're similar The Awakening is also like a spooky kind of ghosty story yeah, yeah. which has kind of a crappy ending but <laughs> <laughs> spoilers <laughs> but yeah go on. Yeah, I just that there's Elsie vibes in that character. Yeah, so that's kind of how I got there. I mean, uh, and I th- uh, Reese Wilson's amazing, and Jeremiah's amazing. I mean, I this is this is an embarrassment for Riches right now. It is, yeah. I yeah. mean, I also think Rebecca Hall. She kind of has a face. She she has sort of has a pained face. Exactly. That's she, she it. Looks, like she, she looks like look she's like someone who's been through traumatized. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. why I think I, I yeah I think that I think that's the best one so far. I have two choices for this okay. both i think could do it uh the first is we've talked about her before jesse buckley i had her on my list yeah. i think she would be good i think she'd be really good because jesse buckley is such a gifted actress she's been in tons of roles where they've made her really sort of plain mm-hmm. like you could see jesse buckley sailing under the radar but she's also a good enough actress that she could sort of raise that question mark about is sarah sinister is sarah smarter yeah. than she looks you know yeah. when the turn comes I th- just think she'd be excellent. Mm-hmm. I don't mind that. Doesn't doesn't blow my socks off, but I don't mind it. Okay, so uh, then my alternate choice was Gemma Whelan. 
oh, who is yes. uh, Yara. Yara Greyjoy. Yeah. On, and she's in Gentleman Jack as well. I'm going to say th- it now. Lots of Game of Thrones people are going to crop up. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know Certainly what? in my picks. I almost think Gemma Whalen would be better as Cam. No, I don't see that at all. I don't see Gemma Whalen as being like kind of like that sort of girlish, like maybe it's because Gemma Whalen, like she, in Game of Thrones, she plays like such a strong character with like, so much of Sarah in this. It's just like, oh, Mrs. Bainbridge, like blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> but also to- I don't think that's – but that's not actually Sarah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like you have yeah. to, I, you have to cast Sarah to be more than El- Elsie's read on Sarah is ultimately n- wrong. Mm. So you have yeah. to cast someone, and it's like part of the scariness is as the reader realizes that maybe there's more to Sarah than we are allowing. That's fair. Well, I haven't fair. seen Gemma Whelan do anything kind of creepy. Um, Besides all of Game of Thrones, that's not creepy though. It creeped me out. <laughs> <laughs> Is that just because it has incest? Creeps me out. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. So I, I mean, I I do like her. And I think she could do it, but she's she's not she's not on my top of my list okay. at the moment. Next, yeah. Um, my first pick for Sarah was Juno Temple because I think she does. I think she can do that sort of like. So Juno Temple was um. Lucy and Little Birds, Veronica and Dirty John, and Celia in St. Trinian's, and Drippy in Wild Child. <laughs> oh, great um, film. <laughs> she's also in Ted Lasso. Have you, has anybody been watching no, no, that no, on no. Apple Plus? No. Oh, it's great. She's just really good at that sort of th- I think she would read really well. Like, I think she would read as, like, innocent, stupid Sarah, and then as it went on, sort of, like, I think she could do the sinister stuff. Yeah. Gina Temple, for me, her energy is much more kind of away with the fairies. And yeah. that isn't really Sarah for yeah. me. Okay. Um, then the other one that I think um, I, I was, I went back and forth because I was like, oh, she could do a really good Anne as well. Um, but I thought, and, and she's probably like a bit older than we were discussing for Sarah, but Romola Garai, because I think she can look really plain, but really innocent, but also she can give off some sinister vibes. So Romola Garai was in, um, she was Marin in The Miniaturist where she was super creepy as like a sort of like, you know, in the in that miniseries. And then uh, she was Sugar in The Crimson Petal and the White and Emma in one of the BBC adaptations of Emma. I think she'd be a good Anne. I don't see her yeah, as Sarah. Yeah, she's not a Sarah, but she could do an Anne. Actually, though, well, yeah, I don't know. I, like, it's like... I'm kind of being like, oh, she's too young for Anne, but she probably isn't. She probably, I think she could be a good Anne. She could also do an Elsie, actually. <laughs> she know, could, yeah. I know. Yeah. I, I've really felt like that even though these these characters, these female characters in the books are very different, it almost felt like you could do it's interchangeable because, yeah. I think it's also because their circumstances have a lot of similarities and it's mm-hmm. like all three of the women, what they all have in common, even though their circumstances are different, they're all ultimately powerless. Yeah. So that sort of lends itself to you know like they're much close they're linked quite closely and i think that is yeah. also why we find it kind of easy to interchange them because yeah, you're right they're three yeah. bane bridges so yeah. they have to kind of be so my two sarahs are skewed a little bit younger and i really went in on the creepy energy mm-hmm. so my number one pick is morphid clark who is a real up-and-comer 
Um, she was recently Mina Harker in Dracula. She's playing Galadriel in the new Lord of the Rings series. She's in this upcoming horror film called Saint Maud. She is really creepy. Right? <laughs> yeah. She, has she like, is great. I'm trying to think of all the things I saw her in, but I just it's just one of those ten out of ten I just I associate yeah. with creepiness. She was, she, was she was she in the recent David Copperfield? I think so. I think she might have been. And she also had like a bit part in um in his dark material, she plays like this sort of nurse. nurse the, that's a brilliant pick. You, you've spiked yeah, her for sure. I that like is that, brilliant because yeah. she mm-hmm. is like she can do that sort of. Uh, in David Copperfield, she plays that like really flighty, like yeah. you know, character. But <laughs> then I've seen her be creepy. If we have her looking too sinister, is that would that be sort but of a see, giveaway? I don't think she does. Look I don't sinister. think she has to look sinister, but I think she can begin. She could. To be okay. She's a very good actress. Okay. I think. Fair enough. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I think that's brilliant. Thanks. And my um, other choice for Sarah is Faye Marseille, who played the waif in Game of Thrones. She was in an episode of Black Mirror. She was in Fresh Meat. And again, I'm thinking primarily of her in Game of Thrones, but I think she has a similar creepy energy, which I think would be good for Sarah. I like that. I, th- I like that better. Ah, I, I prefer Morford. I prefer Morford as well. But I prefer Jesse Buckley, but you know we can't have what we want. <laughs> <laughs> You're already getting your Elsie. Rebecca Hall is clearly the best choice. I'm gonna be honest and say I don't have much for Anne. Okay. I found I found Anne a real challenge. But this is my I I really only have one. This is my suggestion. Um an actress called Beady Edney, who um you might know from Poldark. She plays Prudy. So she's a little bit older. Oh, oh yeah, that that uh, yeah, yeah, she's she's the one that like like yeah. But I I liked her one. because she I think can kind of occupy the space where I feel like Anne has where she's both kind of both smart and dumb. It's like Anne kind of accidentally gets herself and gets herself in over her head. Oh and my I God, she was in Highlander. Yeah. God, um, I don't hate it, but I don't, I didn't, I because I didn't pitch her. It's not, it's not that it's a bad casting choice because it's not at all. But um, I just didn't, I didn't pitch. I pictured Anne quite young. Okay, so. second choice, Eva Green. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Actually, I do think Eva Green would make a better Anne than she would a Elsie. Uh, I don't know about that because I feel like Anne is kind of seems on the surface like kind of normal and pleasant and affable and non-threatening and I think Eva Green doesn't read as any of yeah. those things do you know who it's like I just couldn't find an actress like this but it's like what I kind of pictured Anne as is the mum in young Victoria you know Emily Blunt's mum I don't recall the actress <laughs> I don't know what that I will. <laughs> So you didn't think to actually look up this actress? Because <laughs> she's way too old. She was too old and young Victoria. Oh, I see. It's just her look and her kind of vibe. Miranda Richardson. Oh, yeah. I mean, Miranda Richardson, like, can, can play. But then Miranda Richardson, I feel, has played those kind of roles. But I do think she's probably a bit, she's a bit too old. Yeah, she's, come, which is she's come up a lot recently, hasn't yeah, she? Yeah, I love Miranda Richardson. Yeah. She's great. Yeah, she's yeah. good. Yeah, which is, I didn't suggest her because she is too old, but it's like that kind of like, yeah. picture really rosy cheeks. She's like doing her gardening spells and then 
it all goes awry. <laughs> I just could not find what I was looking for. I know what you mean, actually. I have a major curveball for Anne. Oh, God. I, I, I just feel like you guys are going to react so badly to this. but And I honestly didn't think this actress had the chops for this kind of role until I saw her recently in Belgravia. But Alice Eve... I had her on my list. Oh yeah, did you? Anne. Yeah, because she she plays um she plays Susan in Belgravia and she is so good in it. Like I really thought she was like a real scene stealer in it because she's very she's quite creepy in it. Dull almost. Um but yeah, yeah, there's something to her. I just thought she was great in it. Like, I, I, I think she'd be good and I, I like the kind of the contrast between the way she would look and she's this kind of perfect she's the wife mm-hmm. on his arm you know she's there by his side managing the household being the perfect wife and then all of this sort of dark secrets beneath that bubble to the surface yeah i always like yeah. sort of i sort of pictured her as like serving girl turned lady of the house was the sort of read yeah. on her but going in that like what you're saying flow about her being like perfect and having other stuff going alice eve would definitely mm-hmm. be a good pick in Ooh, that sense i'm so glad that went down well yeah. Um, the other one I was going to say, which actually I, I don't think would fit now, was was Natalie Dormer. No. <laughs> I actually had her in my list. Oh, really? So. Yeah, yeah. And but she's I, I bumped her up to an Alice. But I mean, I think Alice Eve. Alice Eve uh, and is then good, now yeah. maybe like we could bump maybe Romola Garai as a possible. I, I think Romola Garai would be good. Uh, my suggestion was Jodie May. In tons of period dramas, she's in Last of the Mohicans, and most recently she's oh, played yeah. Queen Calanthe in yeah, The Witcher. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's a good um, choice. And she's choice. she. It's a very powerful turn that she does in The Witcher, but she's also very good at doing kind of gentle and soft and kind of unassuming. I like and I that. think she has a nice kind of earthiness to her. You can imagine her kind of being a white witch. I think. Yeah. I kind of like the idea that she could be like secretly powerful because it's like she has to be powerful enough to create a magic daughter mm-hmm. you know what I, mean? mm-hmm. I think <laughs> negotiation does alice eve have the power to create a magic daughter i don't i'm gonna say no i think we need to do some negotiations okay. i think maybe rebecca <laughs> offers to the table rebecca hall for elsie i want morford for, for, yeah, for, for sarah and then alice eve for anne and then I think, uh, then I think, we okay, might I think walk away in, without causing a fracas. I think it's a shame to leave Jesse Buckley on the table, but so be it. Who gets inspiration? Huh? I don't know if they like. We were all pretty good. We were all pretty well behaved this season. We've been well prepared the last few I episodes, so should, we don't really need to I call him. I think Flo should get it for Natalie Dormer. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel's about to flip this table. <laughs> Ninny Hammer of the Week goes to Natalie Dormer. <laughs> <laughs>